Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Pinocchio and Pinocchio because there were two different Pinocchio movies that came out in 2022, one by Robert Zemeckis and one by Guillermo del Toro. Joining me today are Tom Hanks correspondent and our animation slash Disney correspondent. It's Joe Morgan. Joe, how's it going? Hello to all the real boys out there. <laughs> and also joining us he's, he's been in and, out of, in and out of pleasure island for the last couple of weeks it's josh brown josh what's going on <laughs> hey um so for those of you who don't know i don't know which one's rougher being the podcast like designated uh bobby z uh correspondent or the fact that uh, i broke my leg <laughs> two weeks ago and i had I was like, you know, I wasn't really interested in doing an episode on either. Like, you know, he, Josh came to me. He was like, Bobby Z, he dropped new one, right? And I'm like, dude, I can't muster the energy to, like, do a podcast episode on his or whatever. But the autorist in me was like, all right, if we did it like his compared to Del Toro's one, maybe that'd be interesting. So we made that deal way back when. And then... I broke my leg and I now I'm fulfilling my obligation to Josh, just like Bobby Z is fulfilling an obligation to the Disney Corporation. And just as Tom Hanks is fulfilling an obligation to Bobby Z. <laughs> it's, a, it's well put. I, to, to, just, just so everyone knows, like, I mean, I was very sensitive to my to my friend being uh, in, in great pain. And I said, look, I don't want to subject you to the further pain of watching this movie that everyone says is not not so good. And you, we, I'm already going to be asking enough of you in the upcoming weeks because I know the one you're really excited about is, you know, talking about his boy, Big Jim in Avatar Way of the Water or way, the way of water. I, I keep adding a the in there. The way of water and also uh, white noise because Bombbox also your guy. And I'm like, look, that's a lot of work for a guy that's in pain and having to figure a lot of things out in life. Like you can pass on this one. And, and you said, no, it's, it should be easy enough because I'm, because, you know, I mean, I'm, what, what excuse do I have? These are both streamable movies. And I was like, all right. And then and then it's and then I think it just took you a while to get to it because like you were in really great pain. And then you were just like, do I want to subject myself to additional pain? <laughs> and to, to your to your credit, we made it happen. Uh, here you are. And yeah, I think these uh, I think these movies probably went about how we expected. I think I think Joe and I might be a little bit higher in the Del Toro and then we thought. But um, I, I think we can I, I, where I want to start with is. Uh, uh, by the way, by I, before you yeah. begin, I just got to say. Me being in pain, though, me being on my back gives me a little bit more time to brush up on my Navi. Ah, okay. Very good. Very good. Very well. Joe, have you made it to Avatar yet? Yes. Yes, I have. Th thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, you know, thumbs up. I, You know, the super smart whale is all I'll say. I don't want to spoil too much. So yeah, Josh, that's Josh all you need to say. That's all you need to say. Josh is gonna be go be going hopefully in the next week or two. So we don't want to spoil anything for him. But like, I mean, uh, I just just to let you know, Joe. Like, I my opinion when I already told Josh this was like I think the 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 back half of the movie. Well, actually, I, I told Josh how when I went, I went on like a Saturday morning and at ten a.m. Cause I couldn't, like, it was just all sold out at other times basically. And I was just, and then I, I found out uh, my friend Maya, who you've met before through the pod, Joe, like she was coming into town. I hadn't seen her since before COVID I needed to go. And I, I went for like the first like hour. And it, so I, I was, I, I could only get lunch with her at like noon day. I bought a 10 AM ticket for avatar. So I like, I went to the movie for like an hour and 35 minutes left to go get lunch. And then, uh, and then, and then like, th and then went back the next day and like went to the bathroom and refilled my icy at like the hour 27 mark. And then like went back in. So like I was able to catch the whole thing over the course of like two sittings, but I'm going again tomorrow to like kind of refresh. But like it was that second half that like made it worth the price of admission in my mind. So like I it was kind of like my first showing. I didn't actually see the goods, you know. 
And mm-hmm. I feel bad that I'm making you delay what was probably your biggest podcast of the year. You uh, never know what the th- biggest one is. So, I mean, like, but like, the thing is that there's one that like, this is, there's like a glut of movies right now, you know, or, uh, so it's like, or where, no, it's glut's the wrong word. Glut's when there's not a lot, right? There, there's just a, no, there's a an, glut. I think okay, gl- oh, yeah, glut's when there's too much, right? I, okay, yeah, there's 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 a real there, there, there's there's a real glut right now, and it's like so it's like I'm just having to get stuff out as fast as I can, and if there's like one thing that I'm happy to hold, it's gonna be the movie that's like still selling out like on the third Sunday, and I'm like going to a t- I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to the two fifteen showing to two fifteen p.m. showing tomorrow with um with uh, our friends Adam and Kayla, and I and and because like they hadn't seen it yet, and I knew I wanted to go again. I'm like, well, if you guys want to do the two fifteen. The only there's no seats available except like on the that are any closer than the first two rows except the <laughs> third row on the far end of the aisle on the far end of the row. I'm like so two fifteen on way, a Sunday, three Sundays in. That by the way, that's music to my ears because mm-hmm. part of the reason why I'm on this podcast is because before the pandemic, maybe 2018, maybe 2019, I made a bet with my friends that uh, uh, Josh has had on the show, um, Daniel. Like I said that Avatar 2 is going to make more money than Avatar 1. And I've been rooting for Big Jim ever since. And I made that pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic, right? And then just Big Jim delivered. And so, well, yeah, you, you, well, just in general, though, you are on these podcasts, you're on this podcast, too, because around that same time, like in the in the fourth month of like the rewind in 2018, you and actually, I should say sooner than the fourth month, when you probably only done a few episodes, you, you, you became your bit to be like, hey, I'm Bo- I'm the Bobby Z guy. I'm here for the Welcome to Marwin podcast. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a decision that you made that you've now come to regret. And that's why you're sitting here with us. Well, but you, well, you said, actually- I'm, I'm the art tour guy. I'm the guy that wants the people with the longstanding projects like Big Jim, like Bobby Z. And then you just decided I'm not a Bobby Z guy anymore because Welcome to Marwin wasn't good, but I'm still no no still- no. I was saying okay. I was standing Welcome to Marwin, right? That was on until, until, until we saw it. No, no, no. I was I I, I put that on my top 10 live that year. Wait, you right? did? Yeah. No. Oh, I forgot no, that you but, actually liked it. I did it's been a while. Yeah, no, I've been riding the Bobby Z train, right? Well, we've had some stumbles because in between there's the witches, right? Mm-hmm. And and then and then Pinocchio. Like, look, I'm I'm 100% convinced that he tried to make that movie, him and Hanks tried to make that movie in a way that they didn't have to leave, like, their house. Like, like that, that <laughs> shit was, like, shot in the valley, all right? Um, so, like, but, but no. But back in the early days of Rewind, what podcast I came on? I came on for the Battle Alita, Battle Angel Alita podcast because my gimmick was I was the um all tour uh that uh gets on board with the misguided uh uh big budget uh, uh big jim have uh, a story credit on that one oh no he's yeah 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 i'm the guy the big budget passion projects of these uh all tours that seem misguided so i'm your gemini man i'm your <laughs> battle <laughs> alita battle <laughs> angel right avatar way of water Avatar Way of Water is like, yeah, Avatar is like the classic example of this, right? Apparently, so, well, apparently, apparently, I didn't realize until I started reading about it a little more today. Apparently, uh, uh, Robert Zemeckis has been trying to make Pinocchio, ha- or no, no, maybe it was, uh, I don't know how long he'd been trying to make Pinocchio happen. It was Del Toro that had actually had it um, had it in the works for a while. But like, I, I, the way I want to start, though, before we even get into the specifics of those movies is like, you know, obviously Disney's been doing this with a lot of movies. You know, it's funny that you happen to join for this, Josh, because I think the only one that Joe hasn't been on for was one that you were on for where you and Lisa did a Dumbo podcast with me. And, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And and I actually really, like, respected Dumbo, even if I don't think it totally worked. Like, I, I thought they've had – there was elements of that story that, like, 
where they changed it in some ways that actually like, you know, made it something that was like worth trying and standing on its own in a way. And I I went back and I don't think I'd, I'd seen the 1940s Pinocchio in like, you know, quite some time. So I went back and watched that even before I watched the the the, the two, two the two 2022 movies. And I was like, as, as Joe put it, uh, that that one's still a banger or something like that it was how Joe put it when he rewatched it. And I watched it. And I was like really stunned. I was like, wow, this is really good really confident impressive that they made this made this all this happen in 1940 and it's like you gotta have a good reason to revisit something like that and i'm wondering uh after after sitting through this joe after after like watching that and then why because i mean i I might have like i guess my reaction when i watched this when i watched the mechas is i told josh like hey i didn't necessarily think it was like offensive when i watched it in like a lot of way a lot of critics are talking about it but i just don't think it has a reason to exist i'm wondering Mm -hmm. joe after watching the zemeckis version could you figure out why it exists uh well um i think bob chapek just wanted stuff to put on disney plus i think that's why that is uh why i did the whole time watching it i you know i'm interested in the in these live action remakes as an exercise sure especially the older ones because i feel like you can bring um sort of a modern lens to these things um but yeah they don't yeah which they don't and this one by far was uh, you know, I I typically am more gracious with these live action remakes. This one made me actively angry as okay. I was watching it. So I was very displeased. And, uh, you know, can we not just can we stop like desecrating Disney's big five? You know, of course, being the first five features from the Walt Disney Animation Studio. Well, so, well, anyway. for, for the uninitiated, including myself, what is considered the big five? So oh. you have Snow White, Dumbo, Pinocchio, Fantasia. And, um, you know what? I do not have the list. Speaking of that, I, I didn't, I, so I, I didn't know that was the term of art. Bambi, I wanna, Bambi, I'm, right? Bambi. Bambi, Bambi. Yes. Thank I, want, you. I, I, is, is, I wonder if there's a Bambi one in the works, but let me, let, let me, let me take, let me, let me take a, a quick aside, Josh. Can I put you on the spot now and get you to commit to coming on for the Snow White one for your girl, Rachel Zegler? I'm not a Rob Marshall guy. You can't do this. <laughs> Wait, actually, no, that's a Mark Webb. Rob Marshall's doing Little Mermaid, Mermaid, all right? So, like, no, like, this, I, I, like, no, like, you can't, I, I, she's not enough of my girl for me to do that. Like, okay, uh, okay, okay, but, fair enough. But, like, can I ask, can you redirect your, the question, same question you asked, Joe, can I, can I answer it, right? Sure, why does this movie exist? All right. So back in 2009, Bobby Z and Disney collaborated and made A Christmas Carol, right? And so, and I think that movie did made money, right? That did was a financial <laughs> hit, even though I don't think it was well-liked, right? And I think Bob Chapik looked in his books. He's like, how are Bobby Z owes us one. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think Bobby Z answered the call. <laughs> and then I think... <laughs> I think, like, you know, it, him and Tom Hanks, he, he made him Forrest Gump. He made him Castaway. He made him Polar Express, right? Hanks mm-hmm. owes him hit one or whatever. I think it's also, this does feel like a movie made during COVID. And I think, like, like they, 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 they just wanted to work in the volume. But, like, on the classic animated Disney train of, of thought, like, on the Big Five, Actually, Pinocchio is a weird one that I don't recall seeing. Like, maybe I did as a kid, but it's not one I've watched in full. Like, Snow White is actually the one that... Snow White and Fantasia are the ones that are ingrained in me because Snow White was one of the first movies I ever saw as a kid, and it scared the bejesus out of me, and I always loved it. And then Fantasia, now, if if, if now uh, 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 Bob Iger calls me, if he needs someone to bring back Fantasia, I'll do that one. 
I'll do that. (laughs) (laughs) That seems fun. But but yeah, like to Joe's uh, thing, like the thing about these like live action remakes is like in theory, you should be able to like maybe do like a modern twist on it or anything like that. But they're so, you know, classical and adhering like almost shot for shot to the original ones. Now, I can't necessarily say the same for the Pinocchio one. But when one thing that drove me insane is that. The design for Pinocchio and Zemeckis one is just a recreation of the character design from the original one. Whereas if you compare that to the Del Toro one, he made an interesting looking like wooden boy. Like like it's an interesting redesign of Pinocchio, right? Um, Whereas this one's just a lazy, it's like, man, you're just making like for the theme parks. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, the, the Pinocchio design, it's so like, I, like it had this weird effect when I looked at it because like I, it was hard to tell like is this painted on or are these CGI's you know yeah. and you look at you look at something like Beauty and the Beast where the original in ninety one like the character designs are just amazing for the objects and stuff and then they remake it and like completely take away all the charm of the character designs from one to the other and then this one they decide oh we're just gonna literally reprint Pinocchio onto a CG model and it is a character design for 2d and when it's rendered in the 3d it's just very jarring and like it was he doesn't, distract- even, look, he doesn't even look wooden it's just yeah. all smoothed out like yeah it's it, yeah. it, 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 it's just wow. now here's the thing bobby z doing pinocchio is kind of interesting in meta commentary in the same way as like welcome to marvel where it's like all right bobby z he's been lost in uh the motion capture realm like this is a he is sort of a Geppetto kind of stuff playing with his toys or whatever. <laughs> but it's not even interesting on that meta level. It is like, it is such like he is phoning this shit in. Like, 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 like. Um, if, if you remember, that's what I liked about Dumbo. I thought Dumbo was kind of interesting on a meta level and that this guy was trying to like break this creative mold, which is kind of like what these filmmakers were probably trying to do inside of Disney at the same time they were making that movie. There was just <laughs> a lot of other stuff about like Dumbo that kind of fell off in the second act, but like I actually kind of liked it on that level, whereas like here I'm not really getting any of that, like you're saying. But, by the way, did you hear the recent Tim Burton comments about Dumbo, right? So that was no. his last the- okay, that was his last theatrical film and he said, this is probably my last uh, 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 one with Disney. He said, it was kind of let me find the exact quote. If he, he did comment on the meta-ness of it or whatever um mm-hmm. well, well, well why you look for that speaking of like yeah. this other disney stuff I, I joe i think i think just hearing what you're saying i think i think with how it it didn't translate totally visually i think it's the i think it's the lion king problem all over again i remember at some point in the last year or two maybe like more recently than when that lion king remake came out you sent me like a tweet or something where someone's like it put the side by side like the moment where simba like sees where sees like uh finds out about his dad like getting run over in the stampede and like his draw is dropped in the animated one and then the one from the new movie it just looks like a lion looking at a camera that was yeah. like the exact same moment and it's it's like it's it's like honestly this felt like a similar problem here because like like these for the most part these just like aren't there's a couple like there's a handful of real people in it but like they they can't and 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 if the idea of doing these movies is like you can cast a recognizable face that can bring something new to it i guess but it's like here it's like a lot some of the some of the more important parts like aren't people so then you're a little more constricted and then the people aren't really doing anything that's raising the level of this movie you know i mean what's up oh by the way i found the burton quote all right The thing about Dumbo is that is why I think my days with Disney are done. I realized that I was Dumbo, that I was working in this horrible big circus and I needed to escape. That movie's quite autobiographical at a certain level. 
Yeah. So, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, it, it, it didn't totally succeed. And by the way, Birkin, I, I could feel that. The king of the Disney cast grab after Alice in Wonderland. Right. <laughs> but that, was, but that, that movie was actually very successful, though, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one that started all this. That's the mm. thing. It is start, yeah. Like, we and forget it no, succeeded bad, bad. in large part because of Avatar, right? Because it was the first like big 3D spectacle after Avatar. And mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh, we want more. And so they, they went to Alice in Wonderland and um, did not and cry the storytelling chops. A big gem in that one. It, and then, yeah. And like the other part of it, too, was like since that was largely successful because it was following the Avatar thing, Disney was like, you know what? Why don't we remake all of our other animated properties? And we've been in this hellhole since. And you were talking about like um lion king and i I just remember distinctly with that one where the um the song that won best original song that year all right mm-hmm. um the uh what is, is it, it beyonce the, song no 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 the, the well, they didn't the, give it to beyonce but beyonce was on the, the, the lion king song uh can you feel the love tonight oh, oh you right? mean from the original yeah Elton John. Yeah, yeah 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 all right that song the live action one or live action um yeah. <laughs> is i put in air quotes uh yeah. is done during the day there's thousands of animators working on that movie, and not one of them was just like, hey, why are we like drawing this sequence that is called Can You Feel the Love Tonight? In where it's now taking place during the day. It's just mm-hmm. like that type of like just like omission or like just like negligence or whatever shows me how little they actually care about this stuff. And now, Joe, as the designated Tom Hanks uh correspondent, right? I feel like this was a rough year for you, right? Like, because I think Hanks is getting a Razzie. Either for Elvis. this or Elvis, which I actually think he's weirdly good. I think Elvis is the case for Tom Hanks as, like, a great actor because he's so miscast in the movie. He has distracting makeup, a distracting accent, but he's still compelling to watch, you know? Yeah, um, yeah that, that's the thing I mentioned on the Elvis pod. I was like, to, like, Elvis is Tom Hanks swinging for the f- fences and, like, missing, but it's still just fascinating, right? Yeah. This is just like, he's doing Geppetto cosplay. And I'm like, Tom, <laughs> Tom, Tom! <laughs> like, does he win? And then also there's a man called Aldo, which I have not seen yet. <laughs> which Apparently he love- might get nominated for an Oscar for, though. So, like, he, it could be one of those years. I feel like other people have had that Razzie and Oscar thing that happened at the same time. Danger Bullet. Yeah, here's yeah. the it could happen like for Elvis, like maybe supporting act. I don't believe a man called Otto is he's gonna get into the five. I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. um, but like Elvis, maybe that's possible because of a weird year for supporting actor, but mm-hmm. like he's definitely getting his first Razzie nomination, right? Like right. like for, for Pinocchio. If, 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 <laughs> 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 like because like this was like okay remember like in the final i, 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 I do to be fair though i think he is getting off a little like scot free and that like people are already like roasting chris pratt for playing mario and here like you know they cast tom hanks to like you know play in theory is this italian fellow and he's just doing some weird ass accent you know he barely like it's like barely bad it i know is... well it's not like i guess it's not an offensive accent it's just offensively bad yeah, I don't even like it's just he's barely like okay, towards the end of the movie, like jumping ahead, like when they like um escape the uh, giant whale and they land on the island, right? And it's very mm-hmm. clear that like, like it's like Tom Hanks and the CG Pinocchio, like the lighting's a little bit off or whatever, so it's clear that they shot this all on a blue screen. Like, I like Tom Hanks' role in this movie is like, all right, you got him for an hour. You better get it in before lunch. <laughs> like that's how I feel. Like Tom Hanks is in this movie. 
Oh man, I I have to mention since you brought up that scene, uh, jet ski Pinocchio, which is just truly one of the more um, upsetting things I, I have ever seen. But, By the way, going yeah. Swiss the Army cast, Man did it first. <laughs> By the way, going through the cast on this, all right, Tom Hanks, it makes sense, you know, him mm-hmm. and Z have a connection, right? And and this There's is like Gordon Levitt has a connection with him. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I said everybody's doing an obligation. It feels like Zemeckis is doing a favor for Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, and then, like, he get Michael Key, who I think is just like in any animated movie. Like, you call him, like he, he he'll answer the call. Um, and then Luke Evans, I think he's the circus manager, and he's like in a yep. bat suit. All right, all right, fine. Then, could you guys guess who is the voice of the seagull? Oh, I think I knew oh, this. I after and forgot yeah all right this is this one's gonna shock you all right i'll give you a hint this person okay, I, I looked it up i know I, I saw damn it all right <laughs> maybe joe it's like it's unspoiled right so this person is a mob movie and tv royalty an academy award nominee an emmy winner i would imagine um i i know this isn't right but i mean immediately when you said mob royalty emmy winner i thought of Edie falco but you're, you're close. close. You're on the money. You're on the money. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Lorraine Bracco. Oh my god. <laughs> so maybe, I'm guessing maybe the ass Edie Falco. She said no. <laughs> Lorraine Bracco. She, he, he, Lorraine Bracco never won an Emmy for uh, playing Melfi, but nominated several times. That's, that's uh, a yeah. snub. That's a snub. Yeah, good yeah. work there. No, yeah, yeah, just uh, you know, I guess I mean I, I I mean again that might be another one where I don't I don't really know she's done a lot lately, so you know that might have been Bobby Z doing her a favor too, but you know very 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 funny casting for sure. Yeah, um, and I, think I guess the only one I think the only one who pops out in this is Cynthia Eriro as the Blue Angel because I think she sings very well. You know, I mean she I don't sings- I don't I don't think she embarrasses herself. You know, it's fine I guess, and it's it's a little funny because she's able to like. I, th- I think there's a little humor in her, like going back and forth with Jiminy and like arguing with him and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. It's just even with that, like I mean, I guess if it's from to, like like we're saying, like why does this movie exist? I think like if you're gonna, you need the you need the people that are gonna like show up to like bring something new to it or look inter- and do something worthwhile and interesting. And I think it seems like we're all in agreement. Tom Hanks didn't exactly do that. She was fine, but like that that is not enough reason to make the movie. And I guess if if, if it's not gonna be from the people itself from the people themselves i think it has to come from the story and really i think they just like repeated almost every single story beat kind of in the way the lion king did which is what Gil- del toro smartly did i don't i mean and you know like w- there was a couple different beats that were different that i clocked the both the first and when i kind of skipped through parts today one of them being that like it's not pinocchio's fault when he gets kicked out of the school in in, mm-hmm. in the zemeckis one like they just throw, throw him out because they say puppets are not he actually goes to school and yeah. then he gets thrown out and it's like and then, and, and then right there, uh, Honest John, the name of uh, which is the name of the circus, me Keegan Michael character, is like, all right, well, you're not going to go to school. Why don't you come perform my circus? And then it's like, all right, well, cool, sure. Which is like, fine. Like, if you're not in school, like, go do something else. Uh, and then he's like, actually, really good. I mean, I don't really know if that scene is really all that impressive, but like, you know, he's good within the within the movie, like dancing and entertaining. And 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 then and, and then it's and, and then it kind of goes downhill from there. But it's like he, he's not really doing anything that all that morally wrong. You know, so if you're going to keep the same story about a boy needing to like learn right from wrong and it's pretty basic, but very effective in the 1941, uh, then like you need to actually show him like, you know, making some like morally like uh, questionable choices. And I don't even really think they do that. It's like he gets stuck at the circus, but it's like 
he has no reason to think the circus is really all that bad at that point. Like until, until like until the guy starts treating him badly and locking him in a cage. And then like he tells some lies that like uh, to Jiminy when he catches him there, but the lies aren't even really all that bad when he's like first learning what his nose does. Like, I, I just think it's like kind of like, it kind of like, I don't know, kind of like takes some of the teeth out of the story by like not really having Pinocchio like do anything all that wrong in the first place. So I, I, I just think like the ways in which they, and then at the end, like, you know, it's, it, it's almost Geppetto that dies instead of Pinocchio. Um, and that's really it. Like there's really nothing else they change that like gives this movie any more, uh, just any more juice. And that, that, that was kind of like the one thing I really saw, I, I really questioned about like what they were thinking when they decided to do this again. But maybe I just shouldn't have been surprised by that because like most of these other movies really haven't done that, you know? So I don't know. W- w- were there any like real story beats, Joe, that you thought like, hey, like I, I see I see a missed opportunity there or, or I guess, or maybe you just kind of like understood like what they left on the table when you saw Del Toro's. Yeah, so um, with this, with uh, the Zemeckis Pinocchio, they introduce this um, this woman puppeteer with her puppet, right? Mm-hmm. Who's talking to Pinocchio? It's kind of like, new for this movie, yeah. Right, and we are going. She's like, we're going to rise up against Stromboli and make our own show, right? And I'm like, okay, like here's our new story thread. Like we're going to follow this. It's going to be like, you know, a very sanitized Disney version of like, hey, power to the workers, right? And then that whole thing happens off screen. away from the narrative like pinocchio leaves stromboli's thing and then suddenly like they reappear like later in the film they're like hey yeah we got rid of stromboli and like we're good to go we're good to go now i'm like okay um cool so this new story thread that you introduced just completely happened off screen and maybe pinocchio could have helped with that yada 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 whatever like i'm not even saying that's a worthwhile path to go down i'm just you know you show it to me as an audience member and then you just have it happen off screen and then you know she just randomly comes back in to let Pinocchio know that they were successful. Um, but going back to the Cynthia Revo thing of it all, I just wanted to say, like, I had no issue with her performance at all. I thought she sang the song beautifully. But also the song was just, like, the remake of it was, like, really drawn out and long. And, like, When You Wish Upon a Star is, like, the Disney text. It plays before every Disney movie, right? It is the song. Disney is literally making an animated movie based off of the origin of the wishing star. What? No. Oh, my God. No, no, no. (laughs) We are IPifying everything. But these live action remakes should be your favorite artist going on tour for their new album, right? Like, play the hits and then give us the new stuff, right? That's what it should be. We don't need... Cynthia Riva, who is immensely talented and has a wonderful singing voice and is incredible, just sings a version of the song that is a little unrecognizable. And then I'm like, just give us when you wish upon a star. And like, that's where I, I want to get to my overall point about this movie and the Disney live action remakes is like, let the people who make them be people who love the originals. Like, mm. you know, John Favreau is immensely talented. He's crushed it with the Mandalorian, in my opinion. I even thought the Jungle Book was really good. Like the whole premise of the Lion King remake was, oh, look how realistic we made it look. And I'm like, that's not why people like the Lion King, you know? Like they don't care about like the animal kingdom in, you know, in Africa or what have you. Like they, you know, just people who love the stories, you know? And so like when I see this Pinocchio movie and they're like, we should have Pinocchio closely in a pile of horse poop as a laugh out loud moment i'm just like what where are you getting this like who is pitching this on this project given its audience given everything else so to no, to um, no end because there's actually a poop moment in del toro's that works a little better 
Yeah, <laughs> I thought so too. But um, anyway, just to wrap it up and bring it full circle. Yeah, like, you know, they they pretty much hit every beat the way they do it, but there's like no reverence or love for the original material for something that is that renowned. Like one of the big sequences, gosh, I'm like, I'm like filibustering now. I'm so sorry. There's that sequence in Geppetto's cottage in the original <laughs> that's so charming with all the cuckoo clocks going off, right? And it's, you know, like Jiminy Cricket can't sleep and there's all the dancing and the wonderful original designs. And then this one, they're like, okay, like let's get a bunch of anachronistic Disney references in here as much as we can. Like, I don't mind a brief nod to Woody considering that this movie stars Tom Hanks and it's about a toy that comes to life. Like, sure, give me that. But like, do we really need every single Disney film ever made referenced in a cuckoo clock when we're telling a story that is set in the past? Like, yeah, it just felt like unnecessary, like fan yeah. service. When how, I saw. How, I how, like, about, how about the Chris Pine joke? You didn't like that? I, I did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you're filibustering, but I'm actually enjoying this because, like, normally when we do these things, like, I don't know, Joe's a little more measured, not even necessarily because, like, he's had a job or two in his life that have been somewhat, you know, related to Disney, but also just because I think he's a nice guy and doesn't like, like you know, doesn't want to be too hard on other filmmakers. So I just know he really didn't like it if he's gotten this riled up because, like, the most riled up I've ever, ever seen you about <laughs> anything Disney related, Joe. Uh, was there anything you else that we haven't really touched on, Joe, that, I mean, uh, Josh, you felt was particularly offensive about this movie? Um, like, again, it, what was interesting for me was, like, because, like, Joe is comparing it, the plot, you two are comparing the plot beats uh to the original 1941, mm -hmm. and since I hadn't, and, like, here's the thing, I thought, like, it would be smart if I watched the original one, um, um, uh, before this podcast, but after watching this and the Del Toro one, I was all Pinocchio. It's a lot, it's a lot, even if you, like, even if you, you know think even for someone that like joe or i that thinks the first one's good like i it was i was like kind of already a little tired of pinocchio by the time i got to del toro so i was glad it was at least good you know yeah yeah and and the thing so like i so i, I basically could see like what zemeckis versus del toro like was emphasizing and we'll get that to that we'll get there when we covered the, the toro one but one other thing that kind of jumped out to me the only sequence in the film where i felt like maybe like Bobby Z was awake for was the treasure Island sequence in which I, you know, to go to this whole theme park because the first half of the movie is very stage bound. Like it's like this one location, Geppetto's like cottage. Right. Um, and kind of gets to like sort of the laziness of the movie. And I felt like with the pleasure Island stuff, which, you know, felt very theme parky or whatever, but like it at least felt like, okay, they're designing, like, an effect sequence of some sort, and it's, and keep in mind, the whole movie has a lot of effects or whatever, but it's, like, like, I'm not impressed anymore that you can do an animated wonder with, like, you know, Jiminy Cricket. Like, I'm just not, you know? Um, but, like, if I did feel like the Pleasure Island sequences was where the movie kind of woke up a bit, but it's, like, fake praise. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know. The, 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 you're you're right in so much as the Pleasure Island like sequence it give us something different to look at. Um, though again, I I it's still it, 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 you know for, I think you know I I I think the Pleasure Island sequence in the 1941 and I I know you haven't again watched it recently, but like I think it's kind of effective. It's not really all that interesting visually. Uh, it's just you know it feels like they're almost like just hanging out in a dingy saloon or something like that. That's really not all that interesting to look at. But like it it all of a sudden gets very dark for a movie that like hadn't necessarily been that dark up until that point. So I think that's why it's, it's particularly memorable and like, you know, effective and this, that like it, it, it clearly has a point and it, it, it clearly has an aim and it, and it reaches that aim. Um, so like it, it works and here it's like, it, at least it's given us something like, 
colorful and something all in very, very different visually, if nothing else. And again, that's one of the, like the, I guess the few credits I will give the movie. Cause I mean, I, I also didn't think it was all that interesting getting there. I mean, like, I think Luke Evans is a very charismatic guy. Um, but like I, it, 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 his song wasn't doing much for me up until that point. Um, I don't know. Did, did, did you think the pleasure Island stuff had any merit on its on its own here, Joe? Yeah. I, I thought the production design was awesome. Like I thought it looked really cool. Like it's the kind of place where, you know, I would like, you know, be bad right which is which makes <laughs> which makes pinocchio's like unwillingness to be tempted by anything like all the more frustrating by the settings it's so enticing um and then yeah luke evans like i didn't even really recognize him but um i do think his guest on is one of the better live action performances we've had from these movies so yeah so it, it, yeah i don't know if they really you know put, put put him to the best use here um i don't know there's a like a weird thing that i've noticed is that pinocchio as like a property is a weird thing that like has attracted many like auteurs like is it in the public domain is it is it in the public domain since the book is so old is that why like so many people can just do it i i don't know that would probably explain a lot but like i'm thinking like you know i know like you know the original pinocchio film is like beloved by like someone like terry gill that's like on his top 10 favorite films um Mm -hmm. and then if you go forward through the history of this property like Famously, it ends up being a weird collaboration between Spielberg and Kubrick with their version of Pinocchio with AI artificial intelligence, which I think is so far the best one where they're reinterpreting it and it's not like explicitly like Pinocchio, right? But they're taking elements like the Blue Fairy and just like it's about like a robotic boy that wishes he could be a real one, right? And then you also have Roberto Benigni. Like, all right, after he wins the Oscar for Life is Beautiful, what does he use his blank check for? to make a much derided Pinocchio movie that ends his like a career his American career. Um, and then he comes back like just a couple of years ago on Netflix and does another Pinocchio movie. And then there was also that famous Paul Thomas Andrew, like Robert Downey Jr. He's de- he, mm-hmm. he, all his life. He wanted to play Geppetto and he even like recruited a Paul Thomas Anderson and they were going to make a Pinocchio movie for uh, uh, Warner Brothers in the mid 2010s. And that fell through. Like, what is it about Pinocchio that like these guys are so obsessed with because i'm like i don't need another pinocchio story for the rest of my life i don't i I don't i think maybe i'd heard about the robert downey jr thing and just forgotten i didn't i totally forgotten anything about pta being involved but um that is that is wild i uh and like because especially because like i i mean well you know we can we can probably get get over to it too and just talk a little bit more about the del toro one because it's interesting you mentioned him wanting to play geppetto there because you know he wanted to play geppetto at a point where like the del toro one just hadn't come out and Mm -hmm. i don't think there's like i mean i don't think geppetto is all that complicated of a character in these other movies necessarily he's just a guy that is like i don't even know in the first one if they make reference to him having lost a son like they do in in these other two uh if they did it's very very passing and so it's like he's just a guy that just like you know is very happy to have some kind of son show up and is lonely and has one and is happy about it and has a loving relationship and then rescues him at the end and that's it. Uh, it's more complicated in the new one and it's like I, I don't so I don't really know why someone would be like that attracted to play that particular guy. Maybe up until you saw Del Toro's because Del Toro's like you know what I'm gonna like make make this guy really sad and then make him a drunk and then make him not just like you know shower this thing with unconditional love right from the start. And that was like one of the more interesting ways, even aside from plot points, was like one of the more interesting things that like 
you know, I thought like Del Toro did was he like made Geppetto like a little more complicated, who in, in his version of it is uh is is voiced by um what's his name? Uh by uh David Bradley. He might know, I guess it's Philip from the Harry Potter movies. I'm sure he's done other stuff. And... But he actually casts like an actual voice actor. Like that's the thing. Oh, that so he's I, I didn't know he was actually known for voice acting in that way. I, I don't know. Um, Joe might be able to, to speak more to that, but it at least feels like he didn't go for a big star in the way that like the Zemeckis one does yeah. like like or what you would assume is like all right Geppetto is like the big you know uh lead live act lead character here and so um and again like the Del Toro one is filled with like Tilda Swit and Kate Blanchett playing a monkey like it, yeah. it is it is <laughs> filled you, and, with you, and, you and McGregor is cricket um you know yeah. uh Finn Wolfhard as Candlewick, uh, you know, uh, Christoph Waltz as Count Volpe. And um, yeah, so uh, a, a lot a lot of different stuff. But, you know, it, it, he, he also makes the choice and we can just get into that one now. I think everyone kind of like, you know, and we can reference the other one as needed. But I think everyone kind of has our thoughts on the first one, uh, on the Zemeckis one. But in, in Del Toro's, I mean, you know, again, I, I don't need to do a whole plot recap necessarily because like we I do like I do on a lot of these because we're just talking about two Pinocchio movies, but he makes some key changes. One, he picks the story up and like uh, he sets it in the 20th century as opposed to the 19th century and starts it around the time of, I guess, World War One, and shows, you know, uh, just shows Geppetto's village getting bombed and Geppetto's son, who, we, again, we only heard about in the other versions, Carlo um, is killed by a bomb, dropped on the church. And- yeah, and I think, and I think that was like the movie's most effective sequence where yeah. like, like actually like, you know, you spend time with Geppetto, you see Geppetto's relationship with his actual son. And whereas like in the Zemeckis one, it's just backstory. Like you don't actually see it. And mm-hmm. and he actually invested it. And then, you know, and here's the thing that the main difference between I think like the Del Toro one and Zemeckis is that for Del Toro and I'm not a Del Toro fan, honestly, um, but it is clearly like a passion project for him. And like it, it, it coincides with a lot of his themes and stuff. Like he likes his movies to be set during wartime. And like, and again, just the casting of Geppetto in that one, the fact that he's not going for, you know, the most famous star, but probably an actor he thought was most appropriate for it shows that like he's handling this with a lot more connect, care and finesse. And I did think the melancholy that he brings to Geppetto and with that opening sequence, I, I thought was very, very effective. Hmm. Yeah, I and I do. I, yeah, it's just very, very moving in a, in a different way than like a lot a, a lot of these movies have. And like, and, you know, it's funny, Joe, I and, and I, yeah, and I, I just want to I want to go there now with Joe. We, we'll talk about the other ways in which he, he does do some changes. But, you know, but it's funny because a lot of animated movies, Joe and I've talked before on the podcast. It's like, you know, and, and even especially ironic since you're here now, too, Josh, it's like I, I feel like one thing I said about Soul was that I really didn't think it was for kids. But and I, I think in a way like this Pinocchio movie is really just as much also towards adults. I just liked it better than I like Soul. But like, man, between that and then just like, you know, largely Del Toro just going like, you know what? This is Pinocchio. It's a movie that, you know, is relatively light. Uh, all things considered, even if there's like, you know, moments of danger and darkness in some of the other iterations, but you know what, I'm just going to like, you know, I'm just going to go straight, 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 make fascism a big part of this movie. What were your initial thoughts, Joe, when you saw like Del Toro was like going there with source material that had really never quite ventured into that area before? I'm just glad he, like he approached this with like something to say, which, you know, really should be the only reason that we're remaking these classic stories. If you like have a specific POV, that thing we talked about earlier with the Disney live action remakes, like adding a modern lens to something, right? Really. And like, yes, I know this isn't like current fascism, but you know, we, you know, fascism has been on the rise in the world and I won't get too into that because it's a movie podcast, but like, you know, we see, 
like Guillermo del Toro come to this source material with a specific message. And um, I wish I remember the name of the critic I, I read say this, but they said that it was very interesting how like this fascism element to it and the Mussolini of it all, you see these characters acting as if they're puppeted. And the only person in the movie who isn't a puppet is Pinocchio, right? Pinocchio mm. is sort of acting of his own accord where, you know, it's, for example, you have the dad, the, the friend, like, I'm forgetting all the character names, but you have the the human friend of Pinocchio. His dad is always like, you need to learn to fight, 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 right? And then... Um, okay, yeah, well, Candlewick is that, and then the yeah. the, the, the fascist uh, dictator is, uh, I guess his name's Podesta, it looks like. He's, played, he's yeah. voiced by Ron Perlman. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, that all goes to say, like, I feel like Pinocchio has a lot more agency in this movie, too, you know? like I did, um, I did pick up on that. Like, it seemed like they, like, he's a different type of character than he was in the other movies. And it seemed a little mm-hmm. more, Oh, just like a little less of a robot, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just like, or I don't even know if that's the right term because, but it, yeah, it does, did, did just seem like more of a person. And that's the other interesting thing is like, I, you could probably count on like one, one or two hands, maybe one, how many times the term real boy is used in this movie. And he just feels yeah. like more of a real person. And Del Toro's like, you know, I'm going to do away with that being this character's main aim. And I got, mm-hmm. I just got a different story. I want to tell with, with this skeleton of a story. And I've heard like Del Toro talk about like how he's like, of course he's like, you know, yes, he's a wooden boy, but he's still like a little boy, you know, it shouldn't really matter. And that's the thing like, like with Del Toro, he identifies with these um, outsiders or misfits in societies. Like, you know, it's why he gravitates towards uh, like monsters um, and why they're usually the sympathetic characters in his movies and the real monsters are the humans, like the fascists in this film. And like, and I and by the way, the think the movie Del Toro is going to make next is uh, his Frankenstein, which he feels as a companion piece uh, to Pinocchio, where it's both about you know this guy uh, creating this you know son or whatever you know with Geppetto and Pinocchio and Doctor Frankenstein and his monster. Um, like he sees the parallels there, and so I think you know there is a part you know with Del Toro and his backstory. Like I think he more identifies with Pinocchio. Than say like Zemeckis does, which I, I honestly I think Zemeckis identifies more with Geppetto. <laughs> and to um, Josh's point about monsters, one of the scenes I found most effective was the actual creation of Pinocchio. Right, Geppetto staggers into his home. He's like super drunk and like slurring his speech, and he's violently cutting and splitting the wood. I mean, he chops down that tree with Jimmy Cricket in it, right? And like, I mean, obviously there's no Jimmy's in there, but it's a very violent thing. And then, like, he's, like, breaking his, like, his, he's breaking the his broken glass and stuff. And, like, I think it's even storming outside. And then you have the shadows cast on the wall. It's very, like, nods to, I mean, forgive me if I completely misuse this, but it's like that German expressionism, right? You have the big shadows on the wall as he's, like, creating Pinocchio and stuff like that. So, like, even though Pinocchio comes from these, like, monstrous origins, like, I'm so glad you said that because it kind of clicked for me you know, he's still, like, this sweet, innocent boy who ultimately, you know, spoiler alert, obviously, if you haven't seen it, like, I like how Pinocchio makes the decision to become mortal at the end to, like, rescue Geppetto, right? Yeah, or, it's, it's not a selfish decision, necessarily. Right. Like, it's right, a selfless he wants to be reborn. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it, so. yeah, it's <laughs> just interesting. That it's, like, totally, like, really totally upends, like, you know, what everyone remembers about Pinocchio the story, even if they haven't seen it in a while, like like Josh has, like you remember, like I want to be a real boy. That's all you remember about it. And it's just, it's just like not something you do here. And like I was complaining about how in the Zemeckis one, like they don't make him make like some kind of like 
you know, moral choice like that at the early on, like, you know, they, they, they don't, they don't make him make some kind of immoral choice. He ends up like having to redeem himself for. So it kind of makes sense here. in in this one where, you know, I think he, I think he ends up like, he, he does similarly end up just like, kind of like, uh, go, go, going off in like a, in a different way. And then, I mean, eventually he's like, but he, he does make a, I mean, I guess, they don't frame the story as like a lot of it being a moral failure for him. So it kind of, ma- it, it makes sense to like have a different choice like that at the end. It's not simply about like just doing the right thing, but just about making a, a more mature adult decision. Like even when he goes off to like, when, when he actually goes and rejoins the, um, uh, rejoins the circus or whatever, or, re- or rejoins the sh- traveling show, it's just to like make money for Geppetto to like mm-hmm. help him, like just, just to like help him because of how he, how he like signed that contract or whatever. Um, you know, or wait, no, Shoot, am I getting them confused again? No, 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 that, that, no, that, 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 right, no, no, that, that, no, that, that, no, it, it isn't that one where he's like only giving him half the money or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. God, these are all bored now that I've watched like four and a half of these in the last like three weeks. Um, no, but I, I just feel like it kind of like makes sense that like it's, it's never necessarily about him like having to learn something. It's more about learning about these external forces that are possibly on them. But and 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 I guess a, a large part of that is fascism. And it's like, hey, it's important to like you know like surround kids in the in, in, in the right area to make sure they're gonna do the right thing. And like, Hey, like if he, if he learns that war is bad along the way and that religion could potentially be dangerous, that, that that's all well and good too. But like, at the same time, he's just like having to, you're just seeing how these particular outside forces can, can have a negative effect on kids if they don't have the right surroundings. And I think that's a, that's a perfectly okay story to tell too, as opposed to just like, you know, someone wanting to like learn what it's like to be a real or a, more of an adult or more of a, more of a person or whatever, like totally reasonable aims in kids movies too. It's just like, this one's like, Hey, we have a different point of view on it as opposed to like, you know, this other movie we've already talked about today, where it's like, we're just going to do it all again. You know, and I just think it, there's enough different interesting things here that still work within the context of this Pinocchio story. And I'm, that I, I think Del Toro is just really smart in the way he went about it. So Yeah. And, um, and like another thing too, the, another aspect of this sort of that kind of reminds me a little bit about the movie of AI, where in, in like AI and like this, where it's about Pinocchio's journey as a character to try to win his dad's approval, or in the case of AI, like, his mother's approval and, and and it's almost like an unrequited love type thing and i think i think what's kind of interesting eventually jed Petto comes to his senses here in this movie about loving um, pinocchio but that that longing is at least like a compelling conflict where it's like you know pinocchio can never live up to um you know what jepetto uh, feels about his actual son <laughs> joe how I guess in what ways do you think the movie's enhanced by going stop motion? I feel like I haven't seen a ton of stop motion animation lately. Maybe, maybe you you might watch this a little bit. This was the year for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh uh, wait, what what else is coming to mind for you? Um, Wendell Wild had Henry Selleck's much uh, 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 anticipated return. Oh, I still to... I still never watched that. Joe 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 proposed doing a podcast on it. And I, it just came at a bad time, so I never actually ended up getting <laughs> that one. Hey, I did, and I just I thought that was the Netflix movie that should have been called White Noise, but maybe Joe has a better appreciation. <laughs> but then um, the other one was uh, Marcel Deschel. Yeah. Oh, and I, I still have not watched that. Uh, so, um, and I, which I which I mean that that one was one that was well received that I am like definitely going to seek out probably at some point in the next couple months. But like I guess you know there's a lot of different animation styles we talked about over the years, Joe. I don't know if we've talked about a stop motion one before though. Uh, And and in what ways do you think like they were smart about how they like deployed that here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I thought it was really striking to see Pinocchio, especially with like all the wood grain and stuff in that stop motion style. Like I thought like where it's that little figure and I really enjoyed that. And uh, one thing I want to say about the movie too, is I feel like um, 
it's intentionally like, I mean, the, the sets and everything are beautiful. It's beautifully detailed. And the characters move so well, but like, I feel like intentionally sometimes they make things like messy and stuff. And I feel like the stop motion technique of having that stuff be real and physical, like within the frame, like really kind of lent itself to some of that messiness in there. And then, you know, obviously there's the, like the whole thing you're making a movie about a puppet and we're literally puppeting everything that's in the screen. Right. So and Bill Toro, like in interviews, has talked about like how insistent he was on animating the imperfections. Like mm-hmm. in Geppetto, since he's a drunken character, you know he makes mistakes walking and falling on himself and stuff like that to add more realism. And then he also like talked about why he chose stop motion in the first place, which is because you know there's a handcrafted um, uh, element to it where it's almost like you can see almost like the animator's fingerprints on these characters that he wanted to bring to life yeah it's really nice that you said that i like that (laughs) i i I just thought they like i thought they did a pretty good job just in general and the animators did with respect to just certain facial expressions in certain moments um i think i think i think one of the more uh important parts of the movie i suppose is when uh is when candlewick becomes uh a little more um disenchanted with his with his fascist father and there's just a lot of moments where during that part where they're sent off to the military camp where you like you kind of see him reacting to things his dad's saying and like i'm just like wow like you know like it's interesting i was you know like and yeah sure a, a regular human person in a live action movie could probably convey that kind of emotion but it was it was the kind of thing that like i just didn't feel like i was getting moments like that where you're in in zemeckis's one where you're just like seeing someone reacting to something else and it's telling that 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 alone is telling a story and here you're like seeing a kid understand like hey maybe fascism and war is all is not all it's cracked up to be and uh and finn wolfhard is a fine actor and i'm sure he can you know be a very sufficient voice actor but they didn't even need him in those moments because i just thought i was like seeing i was seeing something like that in a relationship change just through a guy's face and i just thought like that was pretty cool for me someone that doesn't watch as much stop motion animation it was I, I, I was it was cool to get an appreciation of it in that in that moment like that and I'm like all right well this is interesting and, and also like I think J- Josh made the point about the imperfections like I mean mm-hmm. and, and Joe made the point earlier about this like how pointless that the, that rendering of Pinocchio was in the Disney one in the new Disney one I was just like it was it was just so bizarre but still pretty cool that they had something that just looked like a tree stump and it was just like way more imp- way more expressive uh, it was cool that they did that it, when it just has, has has nails sticking out of it at random points too. This doesn't look like anything you expect to when you go to a Pinocchio movie. In some ways, it was still like just incredibly, incredibly impressive. Someone else made a point on another podcast I listened to earlier that like it was also just cool to see it see it being rendered and so much as like uh, Pinocchio had trouble walking when he first like gets brought to life. Something you don't totally see in the other ones maybe, and it was just like a, a very different kind of like way to play off that scene. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a smart something different they did that like hey. He might not really fully just know how to do that right off the bat. Let's show him just like clop clomping around. Um, so that, that that I think that just kind of brought something new to the to that opening sequence, if nothing else. Josh, anything else about uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio we haven't talked about yet that you want to touch on? Here's the thing: after the opening sequence, let's just be clear, right? I think the Zemeck, I mean the del Toro one is far superior than the Zemeckis one. I think mm-hmm. this one, I think Zeme- uh, del Toro brought a lot of passion, heart, and as Joe mentioned, he had a lot to say right and he's commenting on fascism and this and that right like after like the opening sequence there is like an emotional disconnect it's sort of like something i have towards like like almost all all del toro movies like you Mm -hmm. know if you have to ask me like i think like pan's labyrinth is like you know an unimpeachable masterpiece like five stars great 
I like I, I the other ones that I have affection for is probably Devil's Backbone and Hellboy Two. But beyond that, I just like I merely like Shape of Water. I think it has flaws, and you know everything else I'm, I'm left cold by. And the thing with like Del Toro, he's a guy now of a, as especially as his budgets are getting bigger and bigger, as he's become more and more respected within the Hollywood establishment. Like the craftsmanship in his movies, from the cinematography to the art direction. Are, are getting to the point of just unimpeachable. Like, they're increasingly detailed and stuff like that. Um, and the, the works to be admired. It's just there's something that emotionally leaves me cold about Del Toro's work where it all kind of feels a little bit artisanal. Um, and, and again, like, I kind of was just zoning out. Like, I was watching the movie, but I was not connecting to it after that, like, opening sequence and stuff. I think where it gets a little bit more interesting is when you get the Nazis involved and Pinocchio befriends a, a member of Hitler's youth. Um, and like that kid ends up the, uh, uh, siding with Pinocchio over his Nazi father. Um, but aside from that, like, I don't know. I'm like, is it just me? I just have this weird Del Toro allergy. Uh, it's, 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 it almost seems like you feel you, you feel the same way about him that I do like about Wes Anderson um I though I, I just I looked it up I didn't you only gave Nightmare Alley two stars I don't I don't dislike any Wes Anderson movie that much but like I just don't I don't connect to them emotionally in the same way other people do uh and like I and I but I, and I, I actually haven't seen most of the early I've never seen Devil's Backbone or Hellboys or his Hellboys but I um but like and I, I do want to go revisit some of his earlier stuff but I do think I I do think I connect a little more emotionally to his uh to his later stuff than you do but you know when when you are dealing with like you know pieces of well, while we might like the whole i can admit the pieces are kind of odd and i i can't blame anyone that doesn't like have a strong emotional connection to like a, you know a to a story about like you know a a, a wooden a wooden boy like becoming yeah like, no like for me know, like it, it hit like a weird apex or like shape of water where it was like you know one of the things i liked the most since like uh his earlier works or whatever um but at the same time like i was kind of annoyed by it because it just felt like you know, he sees himself as this monster and it's just like, why can't women love this monster like me or whatever? <laughs> and like, that was like my uh, takeaway from it. Like, so yeah, like Del Toro, he, he I, I really do struggle connecting to his work, but I do kind of respect him as like an artist, you know, as like a film lover, you know, or a film enthusiast, you know? And so I almost wish I liked his movies more, but I just, there's just something and I'm not entirely sure, but I can't really just always connect with them. Hmm. All right. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. Cause I, I, I knew, I knew you were, you weren't quite as high on it as Joe and I. So I was, I was kind of curious exactly what was holding, what, what was holding it back for you. Cause if, if you did write about it on letterbox, I hadn't read it yet. So I, I appreciate you kind of expressing that. And I can, I, I can certainly get where you're coming from. Even if like I was, I was a bit more engaged in the story than you were. Uh, Joe, any other final parts about uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio that you wanted to highlight before we wrapped up? Uh, it's just one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, mm -hmm. Just really connected with it. And I think the big takeaway is, I'll quote del Toro himself when he says, like, animation is for everyone. Like, we can have a discussion about animation and filmmaking that goes beyond, like, the children and family space. And, like, yes, I work in the children and family space. It has its value. It's very important. But I think certainly believe that this is just like scratching the surface like i think if you know places like netflix and the other studios like really invested in this kind of storytelling i think they could 
you know, really just unlock a whole new form of visual storytelling that, um, you know, uh, would touch a lot of people. So, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, this is my my main Gedeltor take. I forgot to mention. Yeah. Um, and I feel bad after Joe like said something, quoting him on something that I agree with. Right. It's like for me, and it's kind of funny that he chose this property because to me. Del Toro, like, well, always another thing that kind of annoys me a little bit about the Del, Del, Del Toro's like fandom a little bit is that he gets a lot more respect. It, like, you know, he'll get Criterion Edition, he will get like uh, film nerds like uh, 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 behind him. Then when I just consider him like Diet Tim Burton, and I will take like Tim Burton's like 1984 to 19. I'll go even further. I'll take Tim Burton. 1984 to Sweeney Todd era Tim Burton's run over Del Toro like any day of the week. And I just don't get why, like, one is, I understand a little bit just because, like, while Del Toro is rising, Burton is falling at the moment. I get that. But I just don't get, like, why one is more respected than the other when, like, I, I'm like, I, I, I like, yeah, I get that. But that's just me. Oh, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't really speak to like where critics be. I, I can't say I've watched a lot of like early Tim Burton besides the Batman stuff either. And like, uh, and Beetlejuice, uh, uh, Edward Scissorhands. I've watched Edward Scissorhands. I've, I've watched, never mind. I have watched Edward Scissorhands and Edward. So, like, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like, I mean, I like a lot of his stuff too, but, um, you know, you know, it's di- di- different, different things work for different people to varying extents. It's it, nothing, uh, certainly nothing wrong with that, but I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad both of these weren't like painful experiences for you, Josh, at least you got something out of this. Um, you know, one thing we didn't talk about much guys in, in, in either of these was like the, the ending sequence, which I mean, aside from like, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I like how they made it different here in so much as like, Pinocchio having to make that choice like we talked about but as far as just like the rendering of like the the actual like sequence with the whale and stuff like that I I don't really have a lot of thoughts on it myself I you know what's weird is like I feel like these movies you know almost everything up until that point is like more interesting to me in all of them I did like how Pinocchio used his nose in this one as like a you know a tool to get out of the thing but yeah. I didn't really have a lot of thoughts and I was like there's a lighthouse inside of this whale like what 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 huh um you know like, by the I, way the I, I did... ending towards the Mechas one drove me up the freaking wall but why like... is that all right, you know, in both ones, there's some supernatural element to all of this or whatever that you kind of have to go, and I kind of don't like in both, where it feels like storytelling cheats, but it's more annoying in, in Zemeckis one, where it's like, Pinocchio, like, is, like when he thinks Geppetto's dead, uh, he he has a tear, and the tear lands on him, and it takes a while for it to work, but Pinocchio's almost looking like, shouldn't this work right now? And I'm like, why would he think in story that his tear would bring back Geppetto. Like, why does... <laughs> like, it's it just, like... It, it was just one of those annoying things. But, yeah. Uh, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just didn't have a lot to add on the the water thing. Even from the 1941, like, it's impressive... I, I just think it's impressive they pulled off everything they pulled off visually in 1941. But, like, there's not a lot of tongue going on there that I find, like, super compelling. It's like, how, how does he just, like... It's just, like... They, 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 it's just kind of funny that his... I don't know. It's, it's a weird like coincidence that I don't think you, you should just be able to suspend this we for him. Like they just all the story beats take him into this exact same whale and then they're just here and it's like, all right, whatever, we gotta get to where we gotta go, where the stuff at the end can happen. It's just like for something that's like as in theory as action packed, like I just can't say any of it all does all that much for me except the journey they took Pinocchio on at the end of this one to save Geppetto. But um but yeah, it seems it seems like we we all like we all um 
we all we, we all really appreciate this movie and like definitely recommend checking it out it sounds like it'll probably like it'll probably be a, a player at the oscars for best animated film and i'll be curious to see like uh see, see what the continued reception is josh before we get out of here anything else you want to recommend you've been watching recently while you've been laid up um not like you know yesterday uh you and me and a frequent podcast guest of yours end of the year with Gian Dalman, the movie that was voted number one on the sound poll. <laughs> um, so there was that. And Did I actually look like a character in it, or was Daniel just joking? No, you 1,000% look like her. <laughs> so like that, the whole movie, we were just <laughs> like, that is Josh. That is 100% Jordan Boy. <laughs> it was, it, it looks that, it's like, you know, it's like a very slow paced like film or whatever. But we were getting a lot of mileage out of like like he had the same mannerisms and stuff. Really? Yeah, like oh, no, God, we okay. were just like like when he would go to his room, we're like ah, he's about to uh, record his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the thing is, like I I, I really I, I didn't really really read the sight and sounds of that all that closely, so I, I wasn't sure why you guys were watching it, and then I and then I kind of figured it out, but I was like oh god, it's like over three hours, but they're saying I look like this guy in it, and I was like okay. I need to at least like go pull it up. And then like when I pulled the movie up on a letterbox, like there was some other person in like whatever the, uh, in whatever the, uh, like the, the, the cover photo was for the movie. I'm like, that guy's weird looking. I hope that's not the guy they're talking about. If you like uh, look at like the, the background photo. So I don't know if that's it, but like, I'm like, it, it depends because like the other only other people in the movie is like, she's a sex worker. See, You're not talking about that guy. Are you look, look I'm sharing my screen. All right. Let me see. Let me see. Yeah, that's you. That's you. No, that guy looks like a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Now I'm gonna now. Joe, now Joe, like... Joe, Joe, do you at least see it? Do you see it? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Okay. Right, now I'm gonna have to watch this and see how offended how offended I am by like how how this how, how this fellow actually acts in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, so if you want to, if you want to, like, uh, if, if you're curious and you want to cross one off the site and sound and, and see if this guy actually looks like me, you can watch Janine Dealman, I think, on uh, Letterboxd or on, oh, excuse me, on Criterion and HBO Max. So yeah, there we go. We deliberately watched on HBO Max to just give it numbers so, like, Zaslov sees that someone <laughs> cares about this. I, I, he'll just make a sequel. He'll he'll greenlight a sequel. That's what. No, like. no. The whole time we were like, "Yo, we if you expect if there's a GN Dealman cinematic universe, we want it <laughs> on her son. We want to see what that kid's life like is because it reminded us so much of Journal Boy." <laughs> Well, I, there, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy you like you know help Dave Chu and access numbers if nothing else, and then maybe I'll do the same because I, I I pay for Criterion too because I even though I haven't watched it as much as I should just because it's like I want them to stay alive also. But like I think I I, I get a lot more from bang for my buck even if it's more expensive with HBO Max, and I certainly want to keep them in business as well. So yeah, even yeah, against, like, even, even against Aslov's better judgment. So you know, yeah, no, no, I I, I actually Criterion is one I watch the most, and then HBO hmm. Max. It's just I just feel like with certain like 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 whatever sort of TCM or Criterion crossover or whatever, I was like, all right, I gotta watch it on HBO Max just so Zaslav is like, mm, I don't know about Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could, could totally see that happening. Uh, Joe, anything you've been watching recently you want to direct the listeners to? I uh, did my annual New Year's rewatch of When Harry Met Sally, which is yeah. you know, great, and then um, I saw The Fablemans finally so um, what'd you think of it what'd you think of it that was great i i 
I um I tweeted something to the effect of it's gonna be sad when there are no longer any new Steven Spielberg movies. So we me, me and Daniel were talking about that, which is like, you know, the day that both either Spielberg like the only thing is like when Spielberg and like Scorsese die, like what is that gonna be like in because that's like the two Hollywood kings, but especially with Spielberg, because he's made so many people rich. Like like yeah. how's how's he gonna be treated like um like will like the academy museum be like retrofitted like will like tc like TCM get a wing he'll get a wing there yeah 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 like what is it gonna be like when he dies and i was actually trying to go back what would be the equivalent like you know and like when walt disney died when alfred hitchcock died and kubrick and you know like hitchcock one is like like it was 1979 it was such a changing of the guard at that point and like Hitchcock was clearly on his way out like it just seemed like he kind of had like a lackluster reception Kubrick was like the time where like it looks like from reports like there was like a sense of mourning like you had like uh, Martin Scorsese and a bunch of film critics like come on Charlie Rose and do a retrospective and stuff like that but like yeah I I genuinely don't know what what would um the other one too is like how would Hollywood react when Clint Eastwood dies? Like, like, cause he's already been like thrown out of the lot. By <laughs> They're thrown out of the what? He's already been thrown off the Warner yeah. Brothers lot by Zaz. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't hear about that. Well, yeah, yeah like, they didn't, they didn't greet like his next movie. <laughs> like, like a what? No, we didn't, we never talked about it. I, I did not see anything about that. No, I like, okay. Okay. Yeah. So like, um, so, so Zaslav was like, why did we greenlight cry, cry Macho knowing that it would not make money? And then someone was like, well, because like Eastwood, he's he's one of our legacy like institutional players or whatever. And Zaslav's response where he's quoting Jerry Maguire was, I thought this was show business, not show people. Oh, wow. I, 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 had, not, I had not seen anything like that. I, I genuinely thought we might be getting to do another one of his movies at some point in the next couple no, of years. No, he got thrown off the <laughs> That's so sad. Um, yeah. but, but but also, like, I mean, you know, the fact that, you know, it's funny that Joe happened to mention the Fablemans. I, th- I think at some point during the nearly two hours Josh and I podcasted on it, we talked about the fact that, like, uh, you know, like, if he still has his fastball to this extent at 75 or whatever, like, there's no reason he can't make movies that are, like, the same quality as, like, at least The Mule, maybe not Cry Macho, like, that, like until into his 90s, if health, health, if, if he's healthy enough, if he wants to keep doing it. So, like, who knows, maybe we still have another 15 to 20 years of Steve. You never know. So Yeah, I mean, like, his dad died at 103, like, like during COVID. Right, and his mom was, like, only died a few years before that, right? Yeah, yeah so, good yeah. genes. Yeah, <laughs> good denim jeans on Steve. Yeah, so um, yeah. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it, Joe. Now at some point, you know, between like you know having three jobs and being a dad of two, you can go listen to find somehow find time to time to listen to Josh and I talk about it for two hours. Yes, um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm I I you know you, I've been like most of the time this year I've been so busy and haven't watched that many movies. I've like almost been at a loss whenever I you know whenever I have to make a recommendation. But I spent the last week in Philadelphia with my grandpa just like on the couch like watching movies all week basically. And I so I actually like watched a lot. If I'm gonna direct people to like uh one thing i want to like you know highlight out of everything i watched in the last week it'd probably be i you know one thing i one thing i hope people find because it's actually pretty easily accessible on apple tv plus on my flight up i watched causeway the new jennifer lawrence movie on apple and like it's very small movie but only like like 90 less than less than 100 minutes maybe closer to 90 um, about jennifer lawrence playing someone that suffers a traumatic brain injury uh, over in iraq or something or afghanistan or one of the two 
comes back to New Orleans to kind of rehabs it like a, a, a person's house that's like a rehabilitation center and then goes back to her mom's house in New Orleans and befriends a mechanic played by Brian Tyree Henry who has his own issues. And uh, man, Brian Tyree Henry is just like an incredible actor. I will watch him do anything. And it, it was cool to see Jennifer Lawrence play like a normal person again. She's, you know, done a lot of different big time things the last several years and hasn't done something on this level uh, in this production level in quite some time. And so it was cool to see her there, but like, I mean, look, there's a reason that like some people think that Brian Tyree Henry might get an Oscar nomination for this movie that like not that many people have probably seen because uh, he's really great in it. So I would recommend uh, I would recommend that. Josh, I, I know you might not be taking a lot of pictures lately, but you want to plug your uh, Instagram anyway before you get out? Yeah, yeah. Brown Film Collective. Uh, I'm, I'm like, I have a backlog, so like, there will be some in the new year, but it'll probably definitely slow down for the time being. All right. Well, hopefully that you can like, you know, post some new content on there up until you're on your feet again. Uh, Joe, you want to plug anything social media wise? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Jay Parker Morgan on Letterboxd. And I'll add too, if you have preschoolers at home, uh, Puppy Dog Pals comes to its uh, conclusion um, in January. And um, I wrote the finale episode. So uh, oh, wow. you should definitely check it out. Um, yeah, I'm, we're very proud of it. And um, yeah, it uh, it's finally done. So my like my first- On Disney, Disney, Disney Junior, right? Yeah, Disney Junior and then Disney Plus um, shortly thereafter. So, yeah. nice. As usual, I'm Josh Jernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on both Twitter and Letterboxd. Podcast email is realmoviepod at gmail.com. Podcast Twitter is at realmoviepod. Send feedback that way. Coming up next on the podcast, I think we're going to have an episode on After Sun with our friends Ben and Arjun, and uh, then one on Babylon and Glass Onion with Fred, and uh, plenty of stuff still coming after that. Whenever whenever uh, uh, Josh makes it to the theaters to support Big Jim, he'll be doing a podcast with Elijah and I on Avatar Way of Water. So everyone stay tuned for that. Thanks to Joe and Josh for joining me, and we'll see you next time.